0: Hey, this is In The Way, a podcast about discipleship for the Sacramento District and a few other friends who want to join us along the way. Uh, My name is Jeff, and I'm a member of the SDMI board for the Sacramento District, where our goal is to build a culture of biblical discipleship. Uh, Today, we have Deanna Hayden, the pastor of Southwood Church of the Nazarene in, um, oh boy, I better get this right. Is it in... Is it in Kansas City, Deanna?
1: <laughs> well, geographically, you could say that it's in Raytown, but Raytown's completely surrounded by Kansas City, so I'd say you're good, both ways.
0: Got it, got it. Okay, so in Raytown, Missouri, um, and we're excited to have her have her on the podcast today. She, we, I, well, we met each other um, because I lived in her house while I was in seminary. Um, not with her there; we rented it from her. Um, she sheltered us, poor. Um, Homeless, wandering students, and um, <laughs> so that's how we that's how we maybe first connected. Um, but yeah, so we're happy to have you here and talking about leadership and discipleship. Do you want to tell people um, a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and uh, what you're doing as far as uh, research with leadership?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, I was born and raised in San Diego, so I'm familiar with the California area and miss it greatly, especially during the summer, like we've just finished up. Um, uh, I met my husband, Ben, out here at seminary, and we got married, and both of us uh, had doors open and ministry to us out here, so we just stayed and uh, had a couple of kiddos. So Josiah is 11 and Hannah is 9. They're both really super fun and I never know what to expect from them. So it keeps (laughs) life adventurous. Um, And then we've been at Southwood for about 10 years. And uh, about three years ago, I started a research program through Nazarene Theological College in Manchester, UK. That's the United Kingdom. Um, And then, so that's about halfway through. It's a six year program, which sometimes I'm like, Wow. What did I get into? But it's been (laughs) really fun. And I have ended up just developing a really deep passion for what I'm studying, which is very helpful (laughs) Um, when you're putting so much time into something. But I'm uh, just trying to develop a theology of leadership. And that has really, I think, been beneficial, not just to me personally, but I hope to my congregation and um, the leadership and staff here. So that's about it.
0: That's great. Would you be able to um, kind of just encapsulate really quickly, maybe what your um, what your research into leadership and especially in the Wesleyan tradition has kind of taught you or shown you?
1: Yeah. So um, I guess just real briefly, what started me on it was the kind of the experience that I had had of. Most leadership literature and counsel that I had encountered was really based off of business models and just kind of the secular uh, world, Christian world I mean oh, yeah. at best, but still even seemed to be modeled after businesses. And so I realized that there really wasn't a theology of leadership out there and yeah. understood that um, that was what I was looking for. So when I realized that that didn't really exist, I thought, wow, well, that would be kind of fun to – articulate one so um, being in the Wesleyan tradition I wanted to have that be part of it Um, and as I have done research I've come up with about three different tenets that would be kind of what it hinges around and that has become having a goal of love having um, Mm. formation after the image of God which brings Trinitarian theology into it
0: Mm. and
1: then um, having a hope for the new creation Um, and so I'm just kind of taking each of those and um, making part of the research revolve around each and they just kind of intertwine so I'm like I said I'm about halfway through so it's very incomplete still but um, I really love what I'm learning and it's Kind of upside down from all of the other leadership stuff that I encounter so
0: yes I do
1: frequently make conversations quite awkward when I start talking to people about leadership in terms of self-denying love <laughs> it's
0: not like so it's about <laughs> right right so it's love uh, formation after the image of God and hope for the new creation is that right mm-hmm mm-hmm Wow. Well that just takes away all of my my crankiness when I'm reading leadership books and I get to say <laughs> this isn't Christian. <laughs> right. <laughs> well that's good. I'm I'm so glad that you're that you're doing that. I'm looking forward. To hopefully that research becomes available um to people. I, I know it I know it would it would help me out a lot. Um mm. so uh well so we've kind of brought you on to talk uh, leadership and discipleship and the way those things um, the way those things interact in a local congregation um, and you know we're not we're not exclusively talking to pastors here we really are trying to speak to people who um, at any sort of stage um, or any at any point in a local congregation have some authority um, to to teach and to disciple others have some responsibility to disciple others which I think is all or nearly all of us um, and one of the questions that um, that kind of sits heavy on me as a leader in the church is is often this question of like we kind of have the the can you fog a mirror test, right? Like if I, if I put a mirror up in front of your mouth, (laughs) will it create some fog? If so, I have a Sunday school class that you can teach. Um, (laughs) and, and that's, I mean, it's not a great place for us to be, but it's the honest situation that a lot of people are in that if you're, if you're willing, there's usually a place, um, that, that a pastor will put you, um, and I'm just, I'm wondering if you might be able to speak to the importance of discipleship and maturity in, um, in church leadership. Um, well, I'll leave it there, and then maybe we can ask some, some follow-up things.
1: Hmm. Well, um, when I think about discipleship, it seems to me that it is a fundamental calling that every Christian has, I think about the the way that Jesus described. I think it's like in three of the four Gospels when he talked about, you know, if anybody wants to follow me, he needs to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Hmm. Um, and I should say themselves, but um, <laughs> so that ends up being something that. I feel like discipleship really hinges on and needs to be focused on. So the the importance of what we're doing, I mean, whether or not we're leading, but especially if we're leading that we need to have that in front of us as not just, um, like I've asked Jesus into my heart, I'm a Christian and now I'm good to go, but that we can kind of see it as, a journey, a process, um, something that is just continuing for our entire life and that that is focused on Jesus's words that we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Christ. So that's where I would start.
0: Yeah. So the, so, I mean, and that ties in then to that, um, that kind of self-denying love, that first, um, aspect of christian leadership correct
1: yeah yeah and in fact when we talk about love that's such a like a broad term and it it's quite complex so that's one of the reasons that i wanted to dive deeper into it and when when i studied it more in the scriptures but um also in wesley's works his journals and sermons and um, letters and stuff That's really what it seemed to come down to was a focus on Mm -hmm. those words of Christ um, where we're to deny ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so that then becomes what God's love really is centered on is on self-denial. And of course, that comes like there has to be a total other explanation for what self-denial is about because it's Mm -hmm. not just what we might think of at first. So I won't go into it right now, but, um, but yeah, that's definitely, I think what, what a big part of love is about.
0: Right. And well, maybe there's a, I don't know, maybe there's some value in going into, into it. Cause self-denial has a way of being, um, turned into something that it isn't right. Turned into some, um, type of, uh, self-destruction, um, right. when it seems like the, the Christian tradition always wants to point us toward willing the good of the other or something along those lines. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you be able to sort of speak to what it is that a leader um, should be looking to deny in themselves?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think it's going to be different for everyone is really what it comes down to. And so part of the journey of the love that's marked by self-denial is understanding ourselves. So kind of developing an awareness of where our own pitfalls are. And so maybe some of us, um, might struggle uh, greatly with, with pride. Um, and so in that case, denying ourselves is going to be, you know, to really to make ourselves less and to focus on ourselves less. I suppose that in some way, That's how it is for everyone. But for those who kind of tend toward kind of a self-inflated view, um, that needs to to be deflated. And Mm -hmm. then perhaps other people who struggle to have strong self-esteem, who struggle with deep insecurities, or um, I'll even go so far as to say people who've experienced abuse or oppression of some kind, Mm -hmm. self-denial, and I've gotten pushback this um, you know how mm. can you tell someone who experiences life that way to deny themselves even more that seems mm. like it would be like a trigger to right. you know, re-experience trauma but really what we have developed habits of in our lives and maybe I can just speak for my own life and the ways that I've experienced um, uh, I'll just say abuse um, verbally verbally is my um, tendency would be to avoid and to um, kind of stuff away the experiences that I've had and keep going. So self-denial for me in that sense is uh, not re-experiencing any kind of abuse, but instead to confront it. So for me, self-denial is very much confronting that which has been destructive to me. Um, And so I don't know if that makes sense, but it really self-denial looks different for everyone so that we have to know what are the places that we struggle with the most um, that are the least like Christ take those. And that is what we are denying of ourselves so that we would be able to take that journey with Christ even further.
0: Absolutely. So the, the self-denial begins actually with self-knowledge and an honest self-knowledge that it has maybe come to within a community um, of people who know and care about you. Is that kind of thing, would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, and that's very much how it ties into to formation after the image of God, just being right. spiritually formed. So spiritual formation, I feel like, is a, is a vital part of the discipleship process.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm okay so for leaders who um i don't know who maybe are teaches teaching a sunday school class or leading some sort of ministry how would you you sort of in a pastor in your in your role um how are you going to assess whether somebody uh, is growing and capable of that leadership
1: well i mean just a moment ago you mentioned being in community with people and mm. that is I think probably one of if not the most important aspect of, of growth in discipleship. Mm. Um, we just can't grow spiritually by ourselves. Now a part of mm. our, our spiritual growth of course involves our personal individual relationship with God and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and you know, show us the areas that we're needing to grow in. But, you know, honestly, a a big part of that, too, is hearing from God through others. Right. And so surrounding ourselves with people um, who we trust and who we know have our best interests in mind, um, being open to hearing from them um, what they see in us that might need some work. Um, when we're, when I am looking at, um, others to help them that way, maybe, um, the way that I kind of can see or monitor, I I don't know what a good word would be, assess, understand their growth, the way that I perceive their growth is to, to see how much they're willing to engage, um, Mm -hmm. with others. And Mm. how receptive they are to that engagement, especially when it comes to correction of some kind. Um, So, I've encountered leaders who seem to be um, very spiritually mature, but are not receptive to any kind of correction or Mm. learning, and so there really can't be growth in that. Right. Um, But at the and then you know the opposite side of the coin. I've encountered leaders who, you know, might be very new in their spiritual journey, but they are so incredibly teachable. Like they're so, you know, eager yes. to engage, and and willing to be receptive to correction or just to learning. And to me, that is um, the kind of leader that I that I want to to be on a team with, right. so that. Um, we'd be able to learn together um, it's much more fun that way <laughs> but I do think that that's a, a real a real gauge for
0: spiritual growth
1: is our yeah our engagement yeah
0: yeah wow that's really good I and then so is there a time that you'd ever be willing to take somebody out of a place of leadership
1: well and this goes to my own style of leadership too. others would probably do mm. things differently um, right for me, conversation and mutuality is a really uh, important thing. I, I value mm. that a lot. And so to take someone out of leadership for me would need to be hopefully, and I think in most situations, um, a mutual decision so that, um, you know, maybe someone's uh, experience or Uh, behavior in leadership has been destructive in some way, either to themselves or to others,
0: Mm. you know, to
1: themselves, perhaps they're doing too much getting burnt out and it's just not a helpful thing for them to be engaged with. And so to be able to talk with them and come to an agreement about, you know, what, maybe this is not a good season for you to be in leadership, maybe step down for now and, and, we can reassess later and have that be a mutual decision, um, you know, but maybe in some of the worst case scenarios where it's something that's really destructive to other people
0: mm-hmm. to,
1: to first engage in conversation about it um, and at least come to some kind of mutual understanding, even if not agreement, um, about their need to, to step out of that place of leadership. Um mm-hmm. I just, I, it really needs to be some kind of conversation that needs to happen. Um, if mm-hmm. that's ever the the situation,
0: right? That makes a lot of sense. Um, there's a lot of ways that are, um, I mean, like you said, it depends a little bit on leadership styles. But sometimes we can um, depend a little bit too much on our ability to <laughs> to sort of muscle in um, mm-hmm. what we imagine would be. Uh, the ideal situation, and that's not yeah. ideal either.
1: <laughs> yeah, and well, and, and if I can just kind of reflect a little bit back, to with what you're saying, there's kind of those two extremes where you have, you mentioned kind of like muscling in, or um, maybe just kind of taking charge and saying, you're going to step down, or you can't do this anymore, um, and that is a definite type of leadership style, um, but that's Again, me and maybe self-denial who come in there in that situation where the leader needs to deny their, their, uh, tendency that way hmm. and say, okay, well maybe we need to engage in some, in some mutual conversation about this first. Um, whereas then the other end, <clears throat> which perhaps if I can be honest is what I tend more toward is to just kind of avoid the situation, not talk about it, and see if it just fizzles out on its own, which is mm-hmm. just as uh, dysfunctional <laughs> mm-hmm. as, the other, as the other end, so that denying my own tendencies in that and making space for a mutual conversation about it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, either way, you see how it kind of comes to the middle ground there from both extremes that are really unhealthy, um, just to know which one we tend toward to to be cautious
0: about, that. Right, right. So then how does that sort of third um, uh, point, the, the hope for the new creation, um, how does that maybe play into some of those difficult relationships that leaders might have for one another?
1: Well, I think that there's, and I should uh, give a caveat there to say that's the part of my research that I have not developed at all yet. But mm. <laughs> um, as, I, as I reflect on it, it really is a matter of being willing to see Christ in every person um, and understanding mm. that we are called to, to live into that new creation. And I'm sorry if the, the tornado alarm test that happens every month at this time is loud but anyway that's what that is if you hear a siren
0: (laughs) that's okay i have a crying baby on this end so there'll be a little bit of background noise no matter what
1: (laughs) perfect um yeah just being willing to see not just to see but to look for um the the glimpse of the new creation that is in every every created Mm. being that is in every Mm -hmm. person um so that is a vital aspect of of leadership and of discipleship is is looking for and being able to see the image of God in everyone, mm. and that being the new creation that we are called to live into.
0: Hmm. That that is great. <laughs> it's a it's a tall order, but it, it really is um it really is great, and it calls it calls kind of forward probably the best best of who we are. Um, yeah. In our pastoral work, um, well, that's that's good. Hmm. And so then, are there are there kind of practical things that you feel like pastors or leaders can do to encourage discipleship among the people that they're responsible for? Um, you know, I often discipleship is one of those. It's kind of a buzzword that we throw around, and I, um, it, but it's one of those things that if I don't kind of come away with something I can put in my pocket, then I just, I just sort of, it fades away, (laughs) you know, it sort of tends.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and I don't think I've ever tried to articulate this before, but, um, we read Paul's words and about this, and I've heard a mentor of mine, um, use them where, uh, the Christian is, called to um to say follow me as i follow christ and gosh that's a really uh when you say tall order that's a really intimidating thing to say and almost it could really sound pious if if the context isn't understood Um, but to be an example first and foremost um so that we're not Inviting or asking people or requiring of people anything that we ourselves are not already doing, um, I can't expect um, our staff members or our Sunday school teachers or our board members to engage in spiritual growth if I'm if I'm not doing that myself. And so, to be an example of that first is is just kind of a fundamental. But one of the things that I I have started doing probably in the last couple of years has been to um, have, I have a prayer card for every family unit or individual um, in, in the congregation. And on it, I have their name and I have ways that I'm praying for them. And then I have uh, hopefully um, some people in their lives who don't who don't have a relationship with God that I'm praying with my congregant for, that they would engage that person in relationship and hopefully be able to, to bring, bring them, invite them into the kingdom. And so um, what I do is not just pray for the people on those cards. And I pull out two to three cards a day and just pray over them. But I also contact them Um, to let them know I'm praying for them. And so a lot of times I send them an email, or if they don't do email, or if they prefer text, I'll text them. Some of them don't do any of that, and so I'll call them or send them a card in the mail and just say, hey, I'm praying for you this morning, and this is what I'm praying for you about, and I list those things that that I have on the card that I'm praying for them and the people that I'm praying for in your life with you. And how are you doing? And are there other ways I can be praying? Or are there things that I can update on this card about? And I probably hear back from maybe maybe like a third of people <laughs> um, who, who will engage me back and say, you know, thanks. This is how you can be praying for me. And, and they'll update me on their life. Um, and that ends up being a way that I think, A, people know. <clears throat> that someone cares about them, um, which is a big part of discipleship. that's probably one of the basics. But also, I think sometimes it can be kind of a nudge for people to to remember, oh, that's right <laughs> i I have this aspect of my life that so often we neglect um, our our spiritual formation, our our growth um, and maybe a kind of, contact like that is just a reminder to people, oh, gosh, I, you know, I really, I, I need to um, spend some time with the Lord today. I need to engage in prayer today. I think that that kind of contact is just, it, it's, a, it's a reassurance that we're not in this alone and it's, it can also act as kind of a nudge to people to, um, to engage their, their souls, their spirit that way. In um, growth. So to me, that is a way to engage not just my leaders, but the whole congregation in discipleship, um, just to stay in relationship that way. Just like we mentioned at the very beginning, you know, that discipleship is so much about being part of a community and being in relationship, that that, that seems to me to be a really important, helpful aspect of of how to do that practically.
0: So, I mean, just kind of what I'm hearing there, it feels like you understand your role to kind of be that chief discipler in the congregation. And then as you disciple each one, there's this encouragement to, um, to push others, well, to help others sort of explore, um, how they might, how they might, um, thrive in that role of continuing to pray for and care for, um, the people that are in their lives.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, ideally, you know, that's the, that's the idea is that it would, invite people to do that within their own circles of influence. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, for me, I I had a a mentor once that would regularly ask me, how is it with your soul? Mm -hmm. And and I don't know how that sounds to other people. To me, that was probably one of the most important questions I ever got asked. Hmm. How is it with your soul? And because it makes me just stop and like assess the state of my of my spirit how how am i how am i really doing um not just how are things going how's the job or how's the family or whatever those are all important aspects of our life but how is it with your soul so when i visit somebody in the hospital yes i care about your body and i care about your health but here's why i am here i want to check in with your spirit how are you doing because so frequently if we are Even if we're healthy, um, as like physically healthy, if our spirit is discouraged, oh, that affects our whole being. Mm -hmm. And um, reverse as well. Even in our moments of of greatest, you know, maybe physical deterioration or chaos Mm -hmm. in life, if our spirit is encouraged, then that that gives us the inner strength that we need to be able to to fare the, the difficult times. So I feel like that's the most important way to engage people is to, I mean, just, just put it out there. How are you doing spiritually? And, you know, to hear from somebody how they're doing, that is mm-hmm. one of the ways that I constantly try to engage our, our other pastors on staff and, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that's willing to answer the question.
0: Yeah yeah there's that um some line from some poet <laughs> or maybe it's just Eugene Peterson I don't know um but who talks it who talks about the soul as a you know as a wild animal um that has to kind of be coaxed and um has to learn to trust that we might bring our bodies to a place we might bring our bodies to a class or to a um to a church service, but so often um we we do it in a way that is Aggressive and challenging, um, and um, uh, actually seeking to protect ourselves from the real questions that our hearts and souls have, um, and so to disciple, I what you said before, the idea that there is this um, the pr- kind of the primary thing is that people know that you care about them, and and that has nothing to do with. Um, well it has it has a lot to do, but it's not necessarily connected on the surface to a proper theology of discipleship um, or to um kind of the having r- exactly the right frame um for where what next steps we want people to take um, but when people know that we care um, you know I'm sure there's some old uh there's some old saying about that that people don't uh care how much you know until they know how much you care right but <laughs> but um but the sense is that we're really trying to call people forward into that formation that you're talking about um mm-hmm. and um allowing people to trust in a culture where nobody trusts anyone because everybody's trying to sell somebody something um mm-hmm. to trust that we what we really want is the image of Christ at work in them um, yeah. And and the image of God to be made um to be made manifest. Yeah. Well, oh. yeah. well that okay. I got some I need to go make some cards for all the families in my congregation now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> well, it's one of
1: those things that you know Sunday school teachers can do with their with their class members and small group leaders can do with their, with their small group members. There's just so many ways that we all have circles of influence to be able to, to reach out to that way.
0: Absolutely. That's great. Well, Deanna, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your, your research and your heart and um, just what the way that God has been leading you and um, teaching and growing you. I really appreciate it. It's really been good to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for
1: the opportunity. I enjoy talking about this. I
0: appreciate it. Thank you, Deanna. And thank you to all of you listeners for being with us here. Um, just want to remind you again, we've had a women's conference coming up in Vacaville at Sunrise Community Church, um, on October 11th and 12th. Janine Metcalf is going to be speaking at that. And I hope that if you're a women's ministry leader, um, or if you are a part of of your women's ministry, you want to help others get there, maybe you just want to go by yourself, I hope that you check that out, Um, you can go find the information that you need to register, and get set up for that on sacnaz.org, sacnaz.org, that's the district website, um, and they've got all kinds of good information uh, for you to click on, and get that stuff taken care of. Thank you um, for being with us here as we build a culture of discipleship on the Sacramento District. I'm Jeff. Stay in the way.